It's not just radio, it's Rockland World Radio. RocklandWorldRadio.com Alright, hello and welcome to yet another edition of New York Update. This is a weekly podcast about education, news, politics, you name it. And this week we're going to talk about the Attorney General's race. We are 20 days away from the primary election where the uh, uh, Attorney General candidates are squaring off. The election will be pretty exciting. You'll have the governor's race. You'll have the state senate races. Here in New York State, there are about 10 races that have competitive primaries, eight of which are the IDC candidates, very controversial breakaway Democrats. Some people call them Trump's Democrats or turncoat Democrats. That's all going to be decided on September 13th, Pretty uh, coming up pretty quick. The attorney general's race is interesting because in the Democratic primary, at least, it's a four-way race, uh, one of which is the existing congressman in uh, upstate New York, um, Sean Patrick Maloney. He's like uh, covering the Poughkeepsie area. The other candidate is Letitia James. She is the uh, New York City public advocate. Then we have uh, Zephyr Teachout, the Fordham Law professor who uh, ran for governor in 2014, got 35% of the vote against Andrew Cuomo, which was considered really good because she didn't even spend, I don't even think she spent a million dollars. And the fourth candidate is Leisha Eve, who is not such a well-known name, but she has been in the office. She's been a uh, like a deputy attorney general or some kind of a high-ranking official in the office of the attorney general for, for quite some time. So she does have some qualification. Um, I did get an opportunity this past Saturday to uh, sit down uh, at an education-themed breakfast with Zephyr Teachout. There was about, I don't know, 15 other uh, educators there and public education supporters and just some other people, like taxpayers, you know, concerned citizens there. But I was invited because I'm a, a member of the... Badass Teachers Association, and uh, specifically the New York Bats. And in attendance at that meeting, there was at least four uh, New York Bat teachers that we knew of, um, including three that are uh, members of the leadership or the steering committee. And Zephyr Teachout, well, she spoke about uh, her eight-point plan to really radically redefine the role of the attorney general. And this is pretty big because in the past we've had attorneys general that have not done much in the realm of public education. Uh, Although the attorney general is the chief law enforcement officer for the state, a lot of the education-related decisions have been left to the Board of Regents, the Commissioner of Education, the Governor, and the governor's office of budget management and the legislature, which is, uh, you know, there's an education committee in the New York State Senate and the New York State Assembly. Right now, the attorney general does not have much to do with the battle over charter schools, for example. Zephyr Teachout said she would change that. And in fairness, so did Letitia James. So let's dig in uh, to them in their own words from an attorney general's forum from about 10 days ago. Um, Zephyr Teachout debated Letitia James and Leisha Eve. Sean Patrick Maloney was a no-show. 
there was two questions asked that pertain to education specifically. One was about charter schools, and the other one was about the yeshiva issue, which we've been covering on this podcast for a couple of weeks. We have a problem here in New York State where public education is competing for resources with private schools and privatization of public schools. Now, we've had private schools forever and religious schools, but charter schools have only been around in New York uh, ever since 1998. Charter schools are mostly non-union teachers. They don't have the same accountability. Uh, Zephyr Detail said that she would do would be to um, to go after the charter schools. Well, charter schools have dominated politics by using hedge funds to influence candidates and votes, putting public schools at a disadvantage. What would you do to your office to level the playing field, or I'm not even sure what your office could actually do in regards to the charter school movement. So this is the Attorney General's Forum. This was held on the Upper West Side uh, about uh, two weeks ago, Um, and first up to answer is going to be Letitia James. You've already brought a lawsuit against Success Academy. Okay, so here she is saying that she sued Success Academy, and then you heard she got a round of applause. Success Academy is the biggest uh, chain of the, or network of charter schools in the state. Uh, They're all located in New York City, 46 schools, if I'm correct here, um, and it's run by Eva Moskowitz. She is the worst offender when when it comes to the accusations of cherry-picking. They have a lottery, but then once the parents win the lottery, she kind of goes after the best test takers, and she tries to discourage the other ones from actually enrolling in the school by holding a series of events, registration events and dress rehearsals and orientation events. And if the parents don't get off their butts and attend all of these events, there's four events that I've heard of, they will not enroll in the charter school. And this is people that want, after they won the lottery. So you're talking about a weeding out process. They don't want families with an alcoholic in the family. They don't want incarcerated families, foster families. They don't want families that are in homeless shelters. They're not supposed to be able to discriminate, but they use the pretense of having this really strict disciplinary policy, and that enables them to say, you're not Success Academy material. So Letitia James is referring to a lawsuit right here, and I looked it up after the forum was over. She did, in fact, as public advocate, sign on to a lawsuit that was brought by parents of Success Academy, where they were accused of discriminating against students. They initiated a lawsuit in the United States Department of Education Civil Rights Division in 2016, and uh, I looked it up. The lawsuit went exactly nowhere. Uh, We all know that Donald Trump was elected, and he appointed Betsy DeVos, and she promptly defunded the Office of Civil Rights in the Department of Education. And as far as anybody knows, that is where the lawsuit is sitting. It is sitting in limbo, doing nothing. I even contacted the Department of Education to find out the status 
of the lawsuit that was brought against Success Academy in the Office of Civil Rights, and I have not gotten any reply. So let's jump back into Letitia James. She was discriminating against disabled children because she was not allowed. There's a not, if you look at the roles, what they do is not allow individuals, they don't enroll individuals who are special needs children. As Attorney General, what would she do? Right, exactly. So discrimination is something in the Office of Attorney General as, as part of the Civil Rights Bureau. You have a Civil Rights Bureau and as someone who worked with the Civil Rights Bureau to investigate stop and frisk abuses. We all remember the report and the recommendations. I was one of the assistants who was part of that. And the Civil Rights Bureau is responsible for enforcing discrimination laws in the state of New York. So the Success Academy has a pattern and practice of unfortunately not enrolling special needs children, English language learners, um, and disabled children. And what they do is they leave those children behind and fail in public schools. I've seen it in Brooklyn, I've seen it all over the city of New York. And so the Office of Attorney General has a duty and a responsibility to investigate that discrimination as part of the Civil Rights Bureau in the state of New York, and as someone who is responsible for enforcing the laws and knows the Civil Rights Bureau and knows the discrimination laws, which we have used frequently. We used it against worse landlords because, as you know, in the Public Advocate's Office, we have terrible charge worse landlords, and we've gone against a number of landlords. Okay, if you notice here, uh, she's kind of straying off topic because this is a political forum. There's a candidate's forum. And so she's trying to slip in all the different things that she's done in other topics that the question was not about. And sometimes the moderator uh, does try to bring them back. But uh, Letitia James was correct in saying that uh, the charter schools do discriminate. She mentions students with disabilities, students that are um, uh, English language learners, and students that are high needs. Of course, some students are disabled, but they're not officially classified. They haven't been evaluated. And so that's a problem too, because if if they go to a charter school, a lot of times the charter school will be very reticent to get them classified because once they get designated as a special ed student, they have to have an IEP, which is a pretty lengthy and involved and expensive process. And some uh, schools might consider it a pain in the butt, and they might try to just kind of like keep it under the radar that the kid qualifies for a disability. And also notice that Letitia James did refer to public schools as failing schools. This is, a, this is important to understand. I, you know, I've been outspoken about the privatization of public education, but in terms of the particular roles of the Attorney General, one of the big problems with charter schools is the degree to which they're black box and the, and the things that we don't know. Uh, uh, very concerned about what the what's under that box. I was trying to explain to a uh, eight-year-old the other day what is what subpoena power was. <laughs> we got there. So this is uh, Zephyr Teachout now speaking, and uh, if you if you couldn't hear it, uh, she said that the thing that she's really concerned about with charter schools is that. A lot of their operations are under a black box, uh, in a, and you know nobody knows exactly what's going on. So she would use her office to try to find out. She would investigate, and you know, kind of uh, put scrutiny to the charter schools the same way that every other uh, public school has to go through. Every other school that receives uh, public education funding uh, is accountable in these ways, and so she would make it the same for charter schools who also take public education funding. Lasso of truth. None of you have watched Wonder Woman yes. recently. <laughs> no, but, but 
but this is, there's an important investigative powers, and particularly as regards to discrimination in charter schools um, and various forms of violations of, of uh, state law in terms of our, our violating our own um, anti-discrimination uh, civil rights laws in the state. The other part of understanding uh, uh, how we can address the privatization of public education has to do with um, hedge fund managers and their role in New York politics in general. Um, so I see three main areas that most of the job is a legal job, but three main areas that I want to use my Okay, just to interrupt for a second, she did mention uh, hedge fund managers, and you're probably wondering, what do charter schools have to do with hedge fund managers? A lot, actually. Wall Street has, especially in New York, in the state of New York and the city of New York, Wall Street has all of these hedge fund managers. You know, these guys are billionaires. You know, they have a public relations problem you know because some of them have made their money doing hostile takeovers or investing in things that are you know not popular like uh, fossil fuels foreign debt like you know debt in greece or portugal or puerto rico and uh the gun industry you know so what these billionaires have done is they set up charter school PACs, political action committees new york is for a balanced albany students first you know they, they have all these great names but basically what they are it's trying to put a friendly PR face on something that's pretty ugly, it enables them to try and claim that they're being charitable when they're actually privatizing public schools. This is enabling them to claim that they're philanthropists, but when a real philanthropist makes a donation, you know, let's say to a public school system, there are no strings attached, you know, and so that's why this is not so much philanthropy as it is social engineering. What's happening here is these billionaires are saying, okay, let's open up these charter schools, but we have to do things a certain way. And that involves privatizing public schools, hiring teachers that are non-union teachers, hiring teachers that are not necessarily certified, hiring teachers that are on board with Common Core and standardized testing and all of these and all of these other types of things. The charter school hedge fund managers are represented on the boards of these charter chains, these charter networks, including some pretty awful guys. There's one guy, Dan Loeb, who actually made racist comments. He said that uh, teachers unions are worse than the KKK. And this is not only a guy that's been donating millions of dollars to charter school industry and to political candidates that support the charter school industry. This is uh, somebody who sits on the board of Success Academy charter schools, right? So he's literally running these schools for you know predominantly black and brown children. At the same time, he's hollowing out the public school system. You know, they're, they're making it so that uh, public schools have to compete for enrollment, have to compete for money, and really are falling behind these charter schools. No, but, but, but this is a, there's an important investigative powers, and particularly as regards to discrimination in charter schools um, and various forms of violations of, of uh, state law in terms of our, our violating our own um, anti-discrimination uh, civil rights laws in the state. The other part of understanding how we can address the privatization of public education has to do with um, hedge fund managers and their role in New York politics in general. Um, so I see three main areas that most of the job 
is a legal job, but three main areas that I want to use my platform to say, this is an area where the Attorney General can lead, even where there may not be the legal, there's some but limited legal authority. One is voting rights, uh, one is mass incarceration, and I know Eleanor's, yeah, when we're talking about charter schools here. No, but the third is the, the third is the area where this is relevant, which is really leading on and being the lead advocate for campaign finance reform, for closing the LLC loophole, because hedge fund managers are a huge part of the driver of the privatization of our education system. The amount of money is huge. In fact, one of those hedge fund managers spent $500,000 against me recently. Wow. Um, uh, in part because of my outspoken nature about the, the dangers of privatization and charterization in our state. Okay, up to the mic. First, let me say I have not received any hedge fund money, nor have I received, uh, as my campaign received, uh, resources from any charter school or charter school organization. And I say that because I'm not going to stand in front of you and say all charter schools are bad. Uh, I talked about being the beneficiary of a quality public school education in Buffalo and knowing that my experience was the exception rather than being the rule. The last thing that I'm going to tell a parent whose child is in a failing school because our government did not do its job is to tell that parent that they have no other option for their child. I am not gonna do that. Because I don't think you would want anybody to say that to you. Yeah, so Leisha Eve sticking up for parents who want to get their kid out of a so-called failing school and put them into a charter school. And unfortunately, she is playing exactly into the hands of the privatizers that we're talking about. The whole idea of calling a public school a failing school is predicated on standardized testing, making sure that the kids in these densely urban areas that are predominantly kids of color, that they don't do very well on the tests. I mean, it's a setup. These tests, they're literally designed for uh, kids in the suburbs of Massachusetts who are the top 30% of kids performing academically in the country. And then to take those same tests and give them to kids in the inner cities of New York and Chicago and Philadelphia, you know, there isn't as much literacy in the home. There isn't as much college-educated parents. They don't have the advantages. They don't have the cultural experiences. You know, basically, they are not kids of privilege. A lot of times, there's, you know, bigger families, and they move around. There's so many reasons why. So it's really a false narrative to say that public schools are failing schools and that the solution is to open up new schools, open up charter schools, so that you can get kids out of failing schools, that, you know, to try to paint the narrative that kids are trapped in failing schools. So, you know, why do we let these politicians say kids are trapped in failing schools, so let's, let's open up some charter schools? 
instead of saying, well, there's failing schools, let's fix the schools. Let's find out what the problems are. Let's dig in and find out what the root causes are. Why are the kids failing? And the reason they won't do that is because when you do that, you realize that it's very little to do with the school, very little to do with the teacher, very little to do with the curriculum, the standards. You know, most of the kids pass and most of the kids graduate on time. The problem is, is that you have poverty and you have economic disparity in these areas and you have a high rate of dysfunctional families. When those families send their kids to schools in crowded, dense urban areas, these schools suffer because there's absenteeism and you know, misbehavior and crime. There's gangs, there's drugs, there's uh, teen pregnancy, there's disabilities, distractions, you know, there's uh, attention issues. There's so many reasons why. And, you know, the idea that you're just going to build a brand new school right next door and get a whole bunch of different teachers, it's not going to happen. The teachers come from the same pool. So what is the secret sauce and it turns out that these charter schools are basically just cherry-picking the kids. So a lot of politicians have really fallen for this narrative that public schools are failing and there's nothing anybody can do about it. And it's uh, disappointing to hear Leisha Eves say failing public schools because she should be saying we need to make sure that every school is able to give kids uh, all of the courses and classes that they need and meet all their needs. And, you know, she's not doing that. She's trying to, she is uh, endorsing the, the, the two separate systems here. If your child was in a failing school, so I can't speak to hedge funds. I'm not part of that world. They're not part of my campaign. I've seen good charter schools, and I've seen bad ones. I've seen charter schools in parts of upstate New York. Head funds aren't anywhere near them. The charter schools that were started by faith-based organizations with very limited resources, but they were started because the public school system is not doing justice to the children in that community. But as it relates to discrimination that may be taking place, in charter schools or, in fact, in public schools. Yes, under the Civil Rights Bureau, there is explicit authority for the Attorney General. As Attorney General, I would conduct an investigation and commence litigation, if that's where the litigation, that's where the investigation led. But to the extent charter schools are not for-profit entities, in some cases they are, but in many cases they are not. In many cases they are non-profit entities. There is broad authority under the Office of Attorney General as the person who oversees all non-profit charitable entities in the state of New York, regardless of the type of service they provide. There is broad power to investigate charter schools, particularly if they are non-profit, to make sure that the mission of the organization, serving children, is in fact being served And I guess under the, the Charities Bureau, the AG's office can look into the use of for-profit management companies within the charter schools. Yes. And is that something that as AG's would all look into? So let me just say that the Charities Bureau, for the most part, is ministerial in nature. There are uh, 
um, certain powers in the Charities Bureau, but for the purposes of investigating a charter school, it would primarily be the Civil Rights Bureau to investigate violations of human rights laws. So this is now Tish James. You heard the moderator asking a follow-up question, and Tish James is now the one speaking. The state of New York, because we all know that you know, Brown versus Board of Education and, uh, and the forerunner to that, the campaign for fiscal equity, is all about the notion of separate and unequal. And charter schools are basically the separate and unfortunately unequal. And we all know that um, they divert significant amount of funds from public schools. Um, and we all know that most of them are not unionized. And I'm a big supporter and proponent of the labor movement, which is why every year in the state of New York, the state of New York has endorsed Letitia James. And so it's really critically important that we understand that we can use consumer fraud, we can use um, uh, the Charities Bureau, uh, we can use uh, uh, deceptive business practices, uh, we can use the False Claims Act, we can use a number of uh, laws on the books to investigate, um, particularly Success Academy, because of what they do and the egregious nature of their Thank behavior. You. Thank you. Talking about she Barbara can Underwood. Any job she wants while She's I been Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, but she, she just brought a real powerhouse a lawsuit against Donald Trump's foundation. Right. Um, and using uh, the civil authority she has, but she doesn't have freestanding criminal authority. And, and I'm actually really proud of my role, even as a candidate, in changing, uh, shaping what's happening with this Trump investigation. I, I called repeatedly on Andrew Cuomo to say that he would provide criminal authority so she could also criminally investigate and use that tool as she sees fit what's happening with Donald Trump's foundation. Um, and he, after pounding the table, um, he, he said that he would do so. And if you read any of the articles about it, it does credit my insistence that this was necessary. And then that also led to the tax department announcing that it was going to start investigating Donald Trump's taxes. Yes! But the other point here is that, um, that especially when we deal with the Charities Bureau, it is a missing tool, and it may not be a tool that needs to be used in every instance, but when you see rising numbers of charities being used in fraudulent ways, it's really important to have that tool in the Attorney General's office. And so the, the actual authority that I called for uh, was a broad referral, not specific to this case, to be able to criminally investigate along with civil investigations and violations of the uh, charities, uh, violations of laws in the charity bureau. To answer your question, I, uh, it was mentioned that the office is ministerial. The fact that Barbara Underwood did what she did Okay, so this is now Leisha Eve. Uh, that was Zephyr Teachout speaking before, and she made a couple of interesting points that um, charter schools uh, often, uh, as uh, as nonprofits, fall under the supervision of the attorney general's watchful eye, and uh, so do foundations like the Trump Foundation, and that some of these charter schools are set up as 
nonprofit entities. Um, some of them do take charitable donations, tax deductible donations, and uh, some, you know, uh, sometimes they're used for nefarious purposes. Uh, Trump's what they're what they're noting in Trump's case is that they made payments that should be qualified as campaign expenses because they went for uh, hush money payments and uh, non-disclosure agreements. But in the case of charter schools, what they want to do is see if they're raising money, if they're raising outside money for so-called charitable expenses, that those funds are not being used, for example, for political candidates or for public relations or marketing, uh, you know, deceptive marketing. So there's a lot that the Attorney General's office can do. And it seems like all three of these candidates are all willing to do something Although Leisha Eve, who's about to speak right now, is a lot more sympathetic to, to charter schools than the other two. There, you know, the, it looks like the attorney general candidates uh, today are singing a different tune, and so uh, it, you know, it's almost it almost doesn't matter who wins. Uh, we're going to see some, you know, a different posture. I don't think the Republican has a great chance. Nobody knows his name. So it seems like the Republicans, it seems like they're going to lose on this one and that one of these powerful Democrats are, are going to, is going to uh, become the next attorney general. And in a lot of ways, this could be even more important than the governor's race for the national implications because all of them, Leisha Eve, Letitia James, and Zephyr Teachout, are all, and I believe Sean Maloney as well, are all vowing that they will prosecute Donald Trump on New York state charges uh, just as soon as they possibly can. Switch topics. Uh, this is the same Attorney General Forum. This was held by Harlem Indivisible on the Upper West Side of New York uh, just about two weeks ago. And the next question is going to be about the yeshiva issue. So let's update it to find out what the Attorney General candidates are saying. Charlie Moster, New York City's mayor, has been investigating yeshivas for more than three years because many of them are not providing a substantially equivalent education as required by law. Will you hold government officials like the mayor accountable and how as attorney general? <coughs> okay, so that question was submitted by Naftali Moster, the director of Yafed. We spoke about them here, the whistleblower organization. He didn't just ask, do you believe that uh, students that are attending private religious schools, such as these yeshivas that are on the complaint list, uh, whether they deserve a substantially equivalent education, you know, or whether the government should crack down and force these schools to teach the kids the required legal subjects. Instead, he's asking, would you prosecute high-level officials like Mayor Bill de Blasio who has been covering up this issue. This investigation has been going on for three years, and they just recently announced, which I updated on this show two weeks ago, that they've only investigated 14 schools out of like 39, and that the 15 of the schools wouldn't provide access. There was a big article on that, you know, so there is starting to be some activity. Let's hear what the attorney general candidates have to say. The Attorney General is not a super DA. The criminal prosecution is very limited and very circumscribed under the law. And so I don't want individuals to walk away that you've got all of this power. People need to understand the role of Attorney General in the laws of the state of New York. 
and the Office of Attorney General, 60% of what they do is state's council work. You represent state agencies. 20% is affirmative litigation, patent and practice cases. There's also there's enforcement and there's advocacy. There's only about five statutes where you have the ability to prosecute individuals. And in order to prosecute corruption, you have to first focus on civil and you can perhaps investigate criminal. But I think it's important that we not, we not engage in false information tonight and that we understand the law. Now, with respect to yeshivas, the issue has gotten a lot of attention here in the city of New York. And what we really need to do is investigate yeshivas to determine whether or not the individuals are being adequately educated or whether or not they're taking public funds for other purposes, whether they're engaging in proselytizing or they're engaging in further information of our religious pursuits. And that's an important issue. And so the complaint will be filed in the Office of Attorney General, and the Office of Attorney General has the obligation and duty to investigate it under executive law. And as you know, the office's investigatory responsibilities are wide and vast. We'll fight back and make sure the yeshivas are educating individuals, and we're gonna fight back against abuses of developers in the city of New York and in the state of New York, and we're gonna to continue to stand up against corruption in the state of New York. And as the next Attorney General, as someone who knows the office and recognizes the power and limitations of the office, I look forward to serving all of you. Um, as Alicia Eve is coming up to take the stage, the first thing she said, I mean, th these are kind of like um, read between the lines signals, but the moderator asked, what will you do about this yeshiva issue? You know, the, the question was asked, uh, will, would you investigate the people that have been covering up the, uh, the, the investigation? Um, and she got up there for a minute or two and she started to talk about the limitations of the AG's office and where you have authority and where you don't have authority. That was kind of a weird answer. It was kind of uh, avoiding the, the question. In the end, she did agree that if any public funds are being used for uh, proselytizing or uh, religious services when they're supposed to be going to K-12 education, that she would investigate. But, you know, these are, the, these are the ways that politicians send signals, you know, to these constituents. In this case, it's the lobbyists behind these yeshivas, Agudeth Israel, and very high-powered lobbyists that not only direct campaign contributions to politicians, but also deliver block votes and deliver, you know, targeted support in, during the elections. What I investigate, if uh, Attorney General seek to hold accountable? Uh, yes. Um, <coughs> would, would you continue investigating and uh, looking at uh, whether they're providing substantially equivalent education as required by law? Um, and would you hold the mayor and other officials accountable? And how would you do it as appropriate? A matter being brought to the Attorney General on so fundamental an issue, yes, I would investigate. And take that investigation. Okay, that was a yes, I would investigate. The question is how the Attorney General would approach this. What are the statutes they would use? Which bureau, which office of investigation would you use? And another thing that was weird that Leisha Eve just said is, 
if somebody brought these complaints to her office, then she would investigate. Well, that happened a long time ago, Miss Eve. That happened three years ago, and the uh, Board of Education or the Department of Education, the state that the State Department of Education has been dragging their heels. And you know, we've heard testimony that these kids are starving for learning and starving for secular studies and to learn about the world they live in and how to speak English and you know to learn. Let's go to the next person. I think this will be Zephyr Teachout. Uh, yes, I would investigate. And yes, I would uh, investigate uh, and, and hold the mayor accountable and hold those uh, that are allowing this to happen accountable. We owe every child in this state. Uh, we owe uh, a sound basic education. This is, as others have mentioned, a constitutional obligation. And I've been very disturbed by the uh, legislative as well as the legislative efforts to undermine that as well. Um, <coughs> I started my career not as a lawyer, before as a lawyer, as a special ed teacher's aide in the classroom. <laughs> um, education is really important to me. Um, and I gotta say, since we're here, that there's no, been no greater champion for every child in New York State getting the education they deserve than Robert Jackson. You might be curious uh, who she's referring to um, in this forum. Uh, State Senator Robert Jackson had just walked into the building and she was waving to him in the back. Robert Jackson is the state senator for Upper Manhattan, who was one of the lead plaintiffs in the CFE funding case, a campaign for fiscal equity funding case, where they sued the state of New York to try and get funding for low-income areas that were not that were ruled to not be receiving a sound basic education. And so here she is giving him kind of like a hat tip uh, in the middle of this forum. And uh, I think this was also the same day that Robert Jackson had announced he was endorsing Zephyr Teachout. So there's a lot of money flowing into education policy right now. And there are roles for the attorney general to play. Um, one of the areas that's really important is child privacy. Um, we have big, big tech companies that uh, in some instances may be using children's data in different ways. As Attorney General, I want to launch an investigation to that because our schools should not be used by for-profit big tech companies. Okay, and again, this is about the yeshivas. Okay. Um, so the answer on the yeshivas is absolutely yes. Thank you. So but uh, Zephyr Teachout did expand on uh, what she was just talking about there at the Long Island breakfast. We discussed the data privacy issue, which is worth mentioning here. Um, a lot of parents around the state don't really understand what's going on when their kid goes to public school and they start opening up these laptops and they start typing stuff in. Like my daughter, who's a teenager, is is now getting all kinds of uh, spam mails and junk mails and unsolicited emails from uh, colleges that are recruiting her, you know, that are saying, you know, check out this college, check out that college, all because she filled out some uh, form in school to take the PSAT like a year or two ago. That's a, an invasive form of data mining. You know, they asked her for her phone number. No 
parent was notified. Nobody signed any uh, release form. And this is going on with lots of different programs and lots of different apps. And, you know, sometimes, you know, in school, kids are asked to write journal entries and all kinds of personal information. And, you know, these third-party companies that are hosting the platform, like Google or Edmodo or Schoolology, there's a lot of big tech firms that Zephyr Teachout referred to that are, are getting access to a lot of this information. And, you know, sometimes it seems as though there's nothing nefarious going on, but actually that's how a lot of these firms make money. They want to know what are the most popular brand of sneakers and what movies are the kids talking about. And they don't necessarily identify the kid and their name and their address, but they want to know what the kids are thinking. And so all this information is aggregated by robots, by, you know, by spider bots. You know, they, they, they can take like, you know, 10,000 essays written by kids in schools on these various platforms and find out who's talking about the latest Star Wars movie or who's talking about the Powerpuff Girls. I mean, you know, really little kids. You know, and the same thing goes for in the video games that kids play. You know, there's all these kind of embedded ads and there's all these kinds of, uh, you know, um, data mining opportunities for these companies. So is it going on in schools? Well, I'm a teacher. I'll tell you right now, absolutely yes. When we tell all the kids to open up an, an account on this, you know, website on or, you know, we're going to we're all going to go on this website and leave comments. You know, all the kids are going to uh, talk about a certain subject. The kids all hit the agree button. And, you know, the school hits the agree button and the teacher hits the agree button, but the parents didn't necessarily agree. And sometimes these companies can be very, very aggressive and invasive. And that's what was going on right here in New York State when a company that was owned by Rupert Murdoch called InBloom was, got this enormous contract to manage students' private information. And it wasn't until activist parents marched up to Albany, started making a big stink about this, saying that we have privacy rights and we have federal privacy rights and the kids in school all have privacy rights. And InBloom was, uh, the, the contract was canceled and InBloom was fired and they, they went out of business in disgrace. Joel Klein, the former chancellor of New York City schools, was the CEO at that point. And, uh, you know, they were really turned away. But there was absolutely nothing that was stopping them from taking kids' personally identifiable information or just data mining kids to find out what they like and don't like so that they can make money off it by, you know, selling it to advertisers or selling it to corporations or marketing companies. There's so much of this kind of, like, computerization and surveying going on right now. And everybody knows that it's going on in the private sphere, right, with your cell phones and your apps and all that. And that's uh, one other thing that Zephyr Teachout was mentioning. She did go over a few other things, what she would do as Attorney General, but I personally endorse uh, Zephyr Teachout. I think anybody that is an educator or a parent should. She's on the side of public education as opposed to privatization. She came out very vocally against the standardized testing regime that we have and the right of parents to opt out of the testing if they want to. No other attorney general candidate has said anything about that, nor have, you know, there have been very, very few politicians that have said anything about that. 
And so Zephyr Teachout is very boldly going in that direction as well. You know, we'll see who wins. Right now it's a four-way race. Zephyr Teachout just received the ringing endorsement of the New York Times. And then about three days later, the Daily News. And so things have really broke in her favor during the last week. I personally um, subscribe to her views because she's an educator herself. She's a Fordham Law. She knows how kids learn. Definitely got my support. I don't think Letitia James would be terrible. Uh, She's really good on some issues, but her view, number one, she takes corporate money. Number two, her views on the yeshivas were just a little bit lukewarm right there. When it comes to charter schools, you know, she does take money from Wall Street, and that's oftentimes a lot of the same people. So we covered a lot of ground today. We'll be back here next Monday. We thank Rockland World Radio. If you want to contact this show, you can reach us at newyorkupdate.org. You can also find us on Twitter at UpdateNY, and you can find us on Facebook. Peace and sayonara. It's not just and radio, it's Rockland World Radio. RocklandWorldRadio.com